0: To a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations.
1: (laughs) Our human mission, no matter how it looks on the outside, is to journey from the oneness that we were to the individuated state, only to reconnect to the state of oneness. And all obstacles are actually gateways to optimal health, deeper love, and a reconnection with spirit. Dave. Valeria interviews Dave Markowitz. He is the author of Empathopedia, Healing for Empaths and Highly Sensitive Persons, Healing with Source, A Spiritual Guide to Mind-Body Medicine, and Self Care for the Self Aware, a guide for highly sensitive people, empaths, intuitives, and healers. Dave Markowitz is a two time best selling author and intuitive healing facilitator who has shared the lecture bill with Deepak Chopra and other luminaries. And his work is endorsed by Lee Harris and so many more. Meet Dave at davemarkowitz.com. Here's the interview with Dave Markowitz. In your own words,
0: who is Dave Markowitz?
2: Wow, you don't, uh, you, you just jump right in. Yes. <laughs> the yes. deepest question of all, perhaps. You know, so many teachers that I've read or studied, they feel by constantly asking ourselves, who am I, that we can really grow and evolve uh, much quicker. Um, And they tend to feel that the answer comes and myself, I'm all the things that I believe I am. I'm not, um, you know, a lot of people talk about escaping duality and escaping is still escaping. I think if we're here to experience the physical realm, then we should do that and not worry about escaping so much, but I understand it's very painful and the desire to escape is pretty strong. So the who I am is this individuated piece of a whole experiencing life through my physical and metaphysical senses to learn, grow, and hopefully bring the most love possible to the world.
0: Yes. Wow. There's so much there to walk back. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The feeling of trying to escape reality. right? But this is called life that is so true so it feels like the way you speak there's a, a something called growth or evolution or some sort of a, a space or a state of feeling safe and I know a lot of spiritual myself included a lot of spiritual seekers and who are very curious about those things we believe that we can get there and stay there so sure. but what does it feel like? Like for you, what is uh, this growth? What is that like?
2: Growth, growth in, this, in this respect to me is being more present to what's actually true. So, for example, mm-hmm. if uh, my partner says something to me and it doesn't feel good or it doesn't feel aligned or even true. Um with growth, I can step back from my uh let's say first response. The first response might be to get defensive or even to lash out at the other person. And I think we all know that doesn't work. <laughs> uh, although it's very tempting and that's I think the ego voice that really wants to be seen and heard for you know who we are. Um, But with the growth, I can sort of step back and I can actually appreciate what she's sharing with me, even if it hurts. Sometimes we can't see our own blind spots and someone else is more privy to those. So I try to listen to other people's comments, whether it's criticism or constructive criticism or or even feels insulting. I try to step back and say, is it? or something being triggered from something early on. So if I can really be present and I can ask myself that, there's much less chance of lashing out at her. And then I can step back and do my deep work and say, where did I feel this before? And using intuition, I can usually usually tell, oh, this is something that I felt when I was, I don't know, seven years old, when this person said blank to me. And that's that wound is still there. And that's why it hurt, because it's kind of like putting a hook in and kind of twisting it a little bit, right? But with the growth, I can, I don't know, maybe untwist that hook without a lot of pain. And I think also without perpetuating my pain on someone else, I think that's a very natural, but ultimately unhealthy dynamic for anyone, any kind of relationship. So the growth is, yeah, I think the ability to be present and re- truly hear others because what they're saying could totally be true, even if I don't want to hear it. Uh, so we like to say the emotional bank account. So if someone has a someone has a has made a lot of deposits in our relationship, um, I'm very I think logically more inclined to listen to that person. Because let me give you a quick example. Years back I was playing in a band and um typically the lead singer would write the songs and I was a guitar player. And i presented a song once and a few people you know said hey it's pretty good and then he he looked at me you know with he's a very loving guy we have a great connection and he just said you know no one's going to tell you this so i have to it's not a good song <laughs> so i was kind of taken back at the same time kind of laughed because he has that emotional bank account we have that with each other and retrospect it really wasn't a good song but some people around me were just saying, oh, yeah, it's really good because, you know, we're afraid to hurt other people's feelings. But I think the really good friends that build up that bank account are really honest with each other. Even if it hurts, if I know it's coming from a place of love and their truth, I can really hear it very differently Mm -hmm. than if just someone that I don't know says, hey, that song sucks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I might not believe them as much, you know. But you get the idea, I think. It's just, uh, I don't know, it seems like a more... Uh Heart centered way of living. Mm.
0: That very much resonates true, everything you said. So okay. you call it growth. Some people call it enlightenment. Um, mm-hmm. They even say self realization, the different words, but freedom, liberation. So that's what it sounds like. I know you're using the word growth, but would that be the same, Dave?
2: I would say growth is what you do to get to those places of Uh, enlightenment.
0: (laughs) What is enlightenment?
2: Well, I can't tell you from experience because I'm not there. (laughs) (laughs) But what I can tell you, I think Uh, it's a place where we can really mm -hmm. see everything very clearly and really embody a non-attachment and actually have a very different relationship with life and with people. But for me, it's not something I even think about. I know a lot of people do, and that's great if that's that's your thing, do your thing. But for me, that seems like such a lofty goal that I'm more in a place of trusting the process. And if I get there, great. And if not, great. In the meantime, I'm doing the best to enjoy my life. And maybe I can make decisions that might seem like it's coming from an enlightened place. But I don't think I would ever say I'm enlightened. I actually heard some one teacher say, "If a teacher says they're enlightened, they're yes. probably not." <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, I heard that too. Yeah, that makes sense to me. The idea of growing when the way you speak sounds to me like a practice, a training, right. but grounded already in enlightenment, knowing who you are in this, or hmm. what you are. There's something about you that's already fulfilled at that peace that's peace itself actually happiness itself. it's no yeah. there's nothing you can add to it to make it better.
2: I think that's true. yeah, further is the is the word. I can always go further,
0: yes, right. Well, within the realm of body mind, uh, the conditioned body mind complex, yes, we can always right, evolve. And that's how I see it though. that's why I asked the question. but yeah. we are also unique. Right, Dave. It's uh, incredible. It's it's surely beautiful. You know, when you're speaking of um, reactions, responding to what other people say or whatever happens in life, uh, that reminded me of, um, you probably heard about Maharaj, was a Hindu spiritual teacher, uh, Mm -hmm. I think Advaita Vedanta, non-duality. And I remember a story about him that... um, there was a gathering and then there was this uh, a reporter who came there and was writing a biography about him. And then he just stood up and started reading out loud to Maharaj in front of everybody, all his followers. Mm-hmm. And everything was untrue because he said that he had children, had had, had lovers and all those things, tons of things that, that people knew was not true. And then Maharaj just listened, you know, he calmly listened to everything. And then one of the followers just got really upset and said, Maharaj, please tell me this, what he's saying is not true. It can't be true. He's screaming. And then Maharaj calmly said, What is true? Hmm. Yeah. What is
2: true? What is truth?
0: Yeah. Yeah. What is true? What is true, really? What's real? So that stayed with me. I heard that story. I don't know who said. It. It must have been Rhonda who um, said that, quoted him and that. and told the story. And then, it stayed with me. Every time I hear my husband, saying something that the conditioned body mind doesn't like, I kind of just stay quiet and, and I try to embody that that message. You now, what is mm. real? What is true? Mm. Right. <laughs> and I just let it go. Um, it Has been helpful.
2: I would think what we're experiencing is real and true for our, for our individual selves. Yeah. Some people might say it's not the ultimate truth or it's not real. Yeah. And to me, that minimizes the physical world. Mm. It kind of goes back to that whole idea of escapism, of yeah. I need to escape into non-duality. Right. I think we're here to experience the duality. Like for, I mean, the obvious examples that commonly used, we have to know cold before we know hot. We have no light before we know dark, or vice versa. Yeah. Um, you know, which actually fits in pretty well with what we're gonna be talking about later. So, mm-hmm. we'll uh, we'll put that in the asterisk for later. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. How do you define intuition these days? What is intuition, mm-hmm. Dave?
2: Um, I can share what it is for me. Others yeah. might have different views, and that's okay too. Right. I think there is a another. I mean, there are multiple parts of each of each of us, and we typically operate from a place of mind, logic, and then there's the feeling body. And then there's also the intuitive messaging kind of body or system. And it's a way for me of feeling slash knowing what's true on a deeper level beyond mind. So just just to give a quick example, if you ask someone how they're doing, most of the time you can hear, good, how are you? But sometimes the intuition is saying, hmm, they're really not doing well. They're just saying that because any number of potential reasons, maybe they don't want to burden you, maybe they don't want to talk about it in general, or it could be a number of different things. But sometimes we can feel what's true underneath that. And in my work, I think that's really important because if I'm, working with a client from a level of mind that means that i think i'm actually minimizing the person i'm working with because i'll be basing their needs and what i can do for them based on other people's needs that i've met in the, in the past in other words if if i meet 100 people with let's say back pain and all of them i can feel into their truth and intuit it's from uh, a particular event or a particular emotion. And if I bring that reality into the current with a particular client, it may not be true for them. So ideally, I use my intuition to feel into what's true for them as an individual. And, you know, way more than nine times out of 10, I would even close to say it's pretty much 10 out of 10. I'll, I'll say something and it will really affect the other person. And that's how you know, right? But the Dave part of me, what I understand of the Dave part of me, can't know that about this person that potentially I just met a few minutes prior. But the intuitive part can have access with their permission, Permission, of course. I'm really big on permission. I don't do readings just for the, for the heck of it. I think it's invasive. Um, so I always ask permission first. I think people actually appreciate that. Another reason I do it, and it builds up trust. And I just think it's the kinder way to go. Anyway, if I can intuit what's actually true for them and they can feel it, then we can actually get some work done. But if the mind is caught up in, like if my mind is caught up in my reality that I've learned from other people with a similar situation, or if their mind is caught up in with what their their reality has taught them, mm-hmm. then there's really no room to go deeper. Mm. So yeah. the intuitive, um, yeah. I guess it's a long way of saying the intuitive voice is the deeper, um, more authentic place mm. underneath the mind's ideas of what we think is slash think should be.
0: Mm. It that kind of taps into um uh, this idea of reality that we were talking before. Let's say the fundamental reality being shared with everything that exists, mm-hmm. or oh, existence it, itself, just that as the substance of existence, it's same everywhere so that mm. reality is one and yeah. i think that's what i love about non duality in the teachings because it's um, exactly what you said so it's not about what the mind body complex here what it has learned all the learned things that it, the information it has but it, what it's here that's being shared that's mm. the same that never changed Like you and I talking now, I can sense that everything—the microphone in front of me—it's all everything here. (laughs) It's the I can sense that stable reality, the fundamental reality, and that I don't know. It gives me a sense of um, of safety and freedom. It's like Mm -hmm. going back to the dream. Like I know that that this is also a dream, um, a dream reality. And somewhere (laughs) there is a me that's at peace, that's safe, that nothing Mm -hmm. can touch it. I have to ask you this question before we talk about the topic of the four abandonments. What is spirituality to you these days, Dave? How do you understand spirituality?
2: I think similar to the idea of intuition it's understanding that there is a deeper dream happening under the Mm -hmm. obvious dream and by tuning into that um you know some some would call that the spiritual growth path um you could also say it's anything no, well, no, I won't say that because it's not true. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it could be very different for maybe another way of saying it. It could be very different for different people, and and it's all perfect. It's all mm. beautiful as is. There's no wrong. Everything is where it needs to be. Everyone is where they need to be. Um, that's my understanding anyway and belief. <laughs>
0: yeah. Right,
2: makes, yeah. It makes my day a lot smoother. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, then, you see, yeah, that's exactly what it does for me, too. And, and, and I even question that. Am I just going to engage in the? Is the intellect engaging with all these ideas, you know, concepts just to minimize um, suffering? <laughs> just yeah. kind of block suffering, you know, is that what it, it's doing? I don't know. And then, um, I don't think so, because I see... If it is a dream, it's one dream, one reality. So we are all interconnected. And why do we meet people, human beings that have been, we meet them, we see them uh, doing this. And then you have this huge kind of long lineage of so many others that came before them that Mm -hmm. said the same thing. They saw the same thing. And why would they be doing it? I mean, it doesn't make sense for that to be something that is just... There to block suffering. I think it's they went very deep into what this is, which we call life, existence, uh, what exists, and then they saw, they had a glimpse of the, what the truth is. Yes. And that help, helped themselves and others to, sure. to kind of ease suffering. And then why not, right? Uh, in the dream, that's helpful <laughs> if Absolutely. we can realize that while we're dreaming. Okay. So you have written, I believe, three books. I have them here in front of me. Empathpedia, hopefully I pronounced it correctly, Healing for Empaths and Highly Sensitive Persons. And then also Healing with Source, a spiritual guide to mind-body medicine and self-care for the self-aware, a guide for highly sensitive people, empaths, intuitives, and healers. And you're also a intuitive healer, facilitator, guide. Before... I actually go into the topic again for today's conversation, the four abandonments. How did you find this path that you are on today, Dave, (laughs) as intuitive healer facilitator?
2: I would say it found me.
0: Mm, Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Just various at the time, seemingly random conversations or books would find my way, find their way to me. Uh, It, it was a process. And, you know, if, if, someone had asked me what I'd be doing, you know, would I be doing this, you know, when I yeah. was younger, I would think they were crazy. Yeah. Um, but I that goes to the point of you know, everything being where it needs to be. And I mm-hmm. had to learn specific things to be able to process and understand and share what I've understood to be true when it comes to really, you know, looking for optimal health or a deeper love. And, and of course, reconnecting with spirit. Um, you know, that's I mean, ultimately That's what most people want anyway. So, yeah. if I'm able to provide some guidance in getting there with the things I have learned, great. Uh, if someone doesn't resonate with what I'm sharing, that's okay too. I don't beat someone over the head with it, you know. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, just various occurrences, uh, meeting people in certain places. Um, I guess it all just kind of led me to here.
0: Yeah. I love that answer. Right. he found me. <laughs> yes, of course. Life being life. <laughs> so the four abandonments, healing the original wounds for optimal health, deeper love and a reconnection with spirit. You see, before actually talk about the four abandonments, I already have a question about love. What is love, Dave? And how can we go deeper into it? I mean, not even there how we can d- go deeper, but what would that look like?
2: What would it look like? picture of a small baby?
0: <laughs> ah, yeah,
1: beautiful.
2: <laughs> That's what it looks like, what it yeah, feels like. Beautiful. From a mental perspective, I'd say it means complete unconditional acceptance of anyone and everyone, wherever they are, however they are, whatever they're presenting with. And then when that's embodied in a more visceral, emotional state, that might be called love. Uh, Wow. I know that that answer is not going to work well for every song I've written about love, which is probably 90% (laughs) of the songs out there.
0: Yes, (laughs) true. But that's just my understanding. (laughs) Yes, it's beautiful. Yes, what can I say? (laughs) You stopped me. (laughs) Completely. No more questions. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about the four abandonments. Mm-hmm. They are perceived spiritual disconnection from source, two the physical separation from a mother, from your mother, the emotional withdrawal by your family of origin, and fourth the eventual abandonment of yourself. So, as I mentioned off record, the one that caught my attention most, and I'm still stuck there for some reason, is the physical separation from your mother. So, yeah, yeah please talk to me about all of them.
2: really. Sure. <laughs> Thank you. If I can, I'm going to actually explain why these things exist before, they, before sh- sharing what they are. Yeah. I think it might yeah. flow better. Um, and it really kind of really tunes in really well to what we were saying earlier about learning through the world of duality, learning through contrast, that we learn about light after learning about darkness. We learn about love by experiencing either conditional love or transactional love or even hatred, anger, fear, etc. Yeah. Um, I think most of us can, you know, even if we don't like live that, we, we're living it anyway. We, we learn through experience. I mean, how many people do you know that got a serious diagnosis and have this wake up call and all of a sudden become nicer people, become more giving, uh, more compassionate. So there's reasons for everything that happens. And from what I can see is um, we need to experience loss to experience connection. And I think the reason why this resonates with so many people is because we've all felt lost and we'll go into the different types in a moment. But if we really backtrack even more, because we loss indicates that there was a connection to begin with. So what I understand slash believe is that prior to conception, we're pure energy, we're in the realm of what I would call source energy or the well, I'll just leave it at that for now, or, you know. Um, and to grow, we need to experience things on a physical level. Mm-hmm. So we agree to leave that realm of pure being right. and unconditional love and then incarnate into a human female. And we are, you know. And in a way, there's a continuation of that connection that we felt prior to conception right. because it's such a intimate and very close connection, in this case, on the physical level. Right. And what happens is, to go with that same thing, let's just kind of put an overall, yeah. uh, maybe a little summary before going into the detail. Yeah. So, we, so we start connected then we disconnect all to reconnect. So it's this process. And I hope that people hear this, even if it sounds weird, they can open to it. But even more importantly, listen to that voice inside that I like to believe is saying, yeah, that's, that's what's going on here. And we often look to heal those wounds of separation with things that don't actually work. And then we wonder why we're anxious and frustrated and constantly seeking teachers and book after book and workshop after workshop. And there's a place for all of that. But I think if we can incorporate this idea of oneness to individuation back to oneness, Mm -hmm. to me, there's a, a logical, if not linear perspective that puts some rhyme and reason On why we're here. And I think if we know why we're here, we can have a lot better perspective, and I think even more joy, Mm -hmm. even in the things that are very difficult, right? So if we understand that things are difficult for a reason, it doesn't necessarily make it hurt less, but we understand it better, and we can have more clarity on how to get through it.
0: Mm. Yes, I love the piece of clarity. Yes. Right. yeah
2: that's we're all looking for that in some way right so yeah. hopefully this 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 discussion can add some peace and clarity to our existence mm-hmm. uh, i'm going to start with that of the four major separations i'm going to start with one that you actually spoke about and mentioned that it, you felt on a deeper if not intuitive level um, which is the physical separation from your mom so if we think about it if we're in the womb for nine months, give or take, and then we exit, it's going to feel very different. We go from a warm, hopefully very loving environment, a dark, safe, warm place, and all of a sudden we're out in this cold world, especially if you're in a hospital, these cold, horrible fluorescent lights, machines beeping everywhere, and there's a place for that. I'm not saying it's wrong or bad, but Compared to where we were, it's gonna feel a little different. And it's what I've seen, and I saw this in a meditation, and that's what really made everything kind of click for me. As soon as the umbilical cord is cut, the physical separation has begun. And it's really, really painful because we want that warmth. More. Babies love to be held. Why? Because it reminds them of being in the womb, which, interestingly, reminds them of being with source. Now we have this complete separation you know, here or take a nap, um, whatever it is, right? I mean, some cultures carry the baby on their body much more than this culture, certainly, certainly here in the uh, divided states of America, DSA, as my friend loves to call it. Uh, <laughs> but if you just think about that for a moment, how could that not hurt so much? And we wonder why babies cry so much. Well, sure, they might be hungry, they might need food or whatever. But typically, they're um looking for that reconnection that's why when you pick them up it's oh wow now i'm safe now i'm safe again so that thing you mentioned earlier we're all looking for safety comes from a feeling of not feeling safe when we're first born if you think about it it's kind of a brutal way to start life but in this i would say wider perspective there's a lot of logic and a purpose to that that separation is your first indication of the physical reality of the world outside the womb. And it begins that process of individuation that eventually I think um, we wanna, not conclude, but um, reimagine into a reconnectedness. So I think that's one of the appeals of oneness state that we hear about, some of us might have brief experiences about it uh, with it, Or in it some might just hear about it and say yes i want that and part of that is because it feels safe and we need that we need that to really thrive so that physical separation from um, as soon as the umbilical cord is cut there it is then you're alone and you know we're we're one of the species there are a few but there are a few other that don't do this but we cannot survive without other humans we would be dead in a pretty short period of time um So we need that affection, we need that sense of safety. And unfortunately that creates a wound. And I saw that wound in the solar plexus. And it makes sense because the umbilical cord is right there and we carry that wound with us and we tend to look for love to fill that wound. But as that song from, I think the 70s says, we're looking for love in all the wrong places we're looking through other people to fill that wound. And because other people are wounded too, they can't completely fill it. We look to vocations to fill it. We, and sometimes those don't happen or, well, it can't happen actually. Uh, not a complete refilling anyway, uh, maybe bits and pieces. And that's sense of loneliness and fear and even despair can be, go all the way to the other far extreme and into addictions, Where the pain is so much, someone has to check out with a physical substance entering through the lungs or mouth or whatever, or needles, to escape that horrible sense of disconnection. And, of course, other things happen when we're kids that can, you know, further these wounds, which, of course, can lead to further addiction. But you get the idea. Like, we will do anything. Sometimes lie, cheat, steal. (laughs) Many people will do anything to really fill that wound and it can't happen. And it's a very painful source of emotional discomfort. And we also, because of the physical separation, we try to physically connect with other people, whether it's romantically, whether it's cuddles, whether it's getting a massage whether it's, you know, holding hands with someone. I mean, it can look a, mo- a number of different ways. It doesn't have to be just a physical, you know, a sexual act. Although I think most people think that's the cure, if you will, for a physical separation. And I get that. But, you know, even the most, I don't know, talented, if you will, of us, we can't do that 24 hours. <laughs> yes, <Okay>?
0: right, right.
2: <laughs> most anyway, I think. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So there's moments of additional pain there, like, oh, wow, I had this connection met in this beautiful embrace or sexual encounter with this person I'm really into. And then it's over and then real life kicks in and then we realize, wow, they're not really filling the other wounds. Even if they could fill this one, it's still a pretty big wound. So it's a temporary. It's kind of like taking aspirin. You know? It's a temporary alleviation of pain. I'm not saying it's wrong or bad, but I think just with more conscious awareness of what we're doing and increasing the awareness of why we're doing it, then we can really make better decisions. Is this really what I want to do? Or is it just coming from my wounded self?
0: Right. Wow. That takes a lot of self-awareness, lots of practice around that realm of um, self-discovery, inquiry. Oh, wow so many things that you said resonated through. The first thing was um, when you, the picture of connection, disconnection, then reconnection. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting picture. When I, uh, let's say from the perspective uh, of where I am now, per se, but the conditioned body mind is really feels like I was, I was never disconnected before. Of course, I felt disconnected for many years, Mm -hmm. but there was, I was not, never disconnected. No one is really disconnected from the source energy that you spoke of. We are always yeah. connected to it. That's the fundamental substance of existence. Right. So.
2: That's, the, that's the second wound. And mm. the key word is perceived. Right? Yes. I agree.
0: Right,
2: yeah. The perceived yes. spiritual disconnection from source is the yes. second abandonment. And I'll tell you why this happens and how it happens, yeah. or at least what I understand. And, you know, you can, you can tell me if it works for you, <laughs> okay? So at some point when we're very, very young, and it can be different uh, ages for different people, um, our individuation takes on almost an entity of itself. And as an adults, we call this the ego, The ego is the end result, or I would say the reaction to pain. It's the part that says, you know what? This hurt a lot. I'm not going to let this happen again. So I'm going to close myself off from anything and everything. And included in that is the perceived spiritual disconnection from source energy. So the more the ego is uh, nurtured, the less connection with source we're going to feel. And I think this happens to everyone, again, it's just part of the wounding, part of the plan, if you will, the, the human mission, I like to call it, is to then learn to, you know, you can say, how can I reconnect to source if I'm already connected? It's the perception of it. How can I know that connection beyond ego to that source energy? And, you know, there are many ways of doing this, um, you know, and it can vary from person to person, but to really try on this possibility of why that happens, how it happens, again, I think makes the process a lot more, I'm going to even say enjoyable, right? Because then we can say, oh, I can enjoy my reconnecting with that which I was never (laughs) disconnected from, right? Again, that word perceived. And I think we've all had moments of that, or I like to think we have. Um, I'm certainly, you know, um, tuning into that realm as much as possible, certainly when I'm working with clients, but even in my own life, I can use it for anything. I mean, use it for business all the time, of course. I'll reconnect to source or get in touch with what's already there. And I'll hear, okay, you're going to offer this workshop at this time. The same voice that said yes or told me to say yes when you reached out and say, hey, Dave, do you want to connect again? The Dave part of me can't know if this is a good use of our time, money, energy, et cetera. But the source within me, that intuitive voice gave me a huge yes. Right. So it's, I'm tuning into things beyond the realm of Dave um ideally as much as possible and that makes it becomes easier as i do the emotional healing work that doesn't involve the ego needing to know everything needing to be right needing to look a certain way not making that wrong but at the same time doing the work to move through that to that higher connection better connection uh, maybe is a better word and from that place i think anything's possible because Mm. then you're truly guided from Mm. A much higher, much more knowledgeable, certainly place of of being, and but you know it's back to the original point. We can't have that joy of that reconnection without having the perception of the disconnection first.
0: That is very much true. So it sounds very much like this is the dance.
2: Yeah, good word for it.
0: Right, that's what it is: dancing with duality, so we can experience. Everything, <laughs> everything yes. that is possible. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. I, I love how open you are to life, Dave. Of course, you're coming from the intuitive space, state. Um, I also call it source, I call unconditional love.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: that would make sense. It can yeah. be felt, it's an energetic resonance. Yeah,
2: it's, I think so.
0: Yeah. yeah. So yeah, please. I know we have another. Uh, there's another one you want to mention. Uh, I mean, I have so many comments. I made here notes, <laughs> but I, I don't want to uh, interrupt your flow.
2: Okay, so we'll go with the um, what I think is the third yeah. uh, abandonment, which is the emotional withdrawal from your family of origin, or by your family of origin. I guess they both can be true. So we've all been around a small baby. Everyone's like, Yay, baby. You know, we are basking in that love that the baby is sending out. But as that infant grows, and especially as the ego begins to form, they form their own little personalities. And a lot of parents, and, and I'm not a parent, so I just want to be clear on that. Uh, it's probably it seems easier for me to say this, perhaps, than someone who who is a parent. Um without having that personal experience. I can't say how easy it is or not easy, but I can just, Mm -hmm. I was a kid. Well, not a parent, but I'm a kid. Still a kid in a way. Yes.
0: So so
2: the point point being is that as the kid begins to assert themselves, Mm -hmm. a lot of times parents are triggered and their own wounds come up. And what happens then is we start experiencing what I call transactional love or conditional love. And that means you only get love when you do certain things. If you are quiet, for example, they might like that. You might feel more love. If you're really noisy, you might feel someone getting irritated and they can just um, detract or take away that love. So the emotional withdrawal begins to happen. Um, And, of course, that's really painful, too, because in the baby's perspective, they're sitting there saying, you know, X amount of time ago everything I did was considered cute. I would just go, get cat. Yeah. And everyone would, yay. <laughs> yes. And now I say that and people say, grow up. Or, you know <laughs> yes. what I mean? Stop making those silly sounds, talk English or whatever, you know? <laughs> yes. um, and that's really painful because we, mm. we're going from, we're experiencing unconditional love as a kid being bounced back to us. And then it becomes this transactional love. And that also creates that emotional disconnection. Um, Which, of course, you know, going back to the original human mission that we spoke about, then creates that desire to emotionally connect with other people. Right. So all these things do have a purpose. I'm really clear on that. We're not just, you know, Source isn't here just to give us pain, period. It's here to give us um, pain to then heal, to then have that sense of freedom. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, what we're really looking for, that sense of freedom.
0: Beautifully said. Yes. Hmm. To experience that too, although I, I do, kind of always go back to the um, being freedom itself.
2: That's yes, what we are. Perfect. Beautiful, yeah. That's
0: it's just the play of duality, losing ourselves, and then and then the journey of finding ourselves, and then exactly. celebrating that. <laughs> but yeah, we are, we are freedom itself.
2: Which actually is a perfect segue. The word losing yourself into what I call mm-hmm. the fourth yeah. um, major abandonment which is, and for many, many people, this hurts a lot. So just bear with me, everyone listening in, okay? It's what I would consider the abandonment of self. What does that mean and why does it happen? Well, if we learn, let's just use a very simple uh, example. If as a kid, we take up piano, for example, and when we play piano, the family says, oh, great, great, great job. You know, look how you're so talented. I'm so proud of you. Great. But if you say, I don't want to play a piano, that creates more pain, that creates more separation. So we learn to do things to get love. We learn to be certain ways, whether it's quiet, whether it's funny, whether it's cute, whether it's showing a talent that will keep us loved, feeling safe and loved. So what if, just for a random example, well, to stay with that example, what if that kid really doesn't enjoy playing piano, but enjoys the feeling that he or she or they get as an end result of what is being presented to them when playing? Now there's a di- abandonment of self. Like, I don't really want to play piano, but I have to do it to get love. That's just one example. right? There, there can be many, I'm sure. Um so we learn to do things that are not really aligned with our highest self. We could even say we do things that aren't aligned with our ultimate soul mission, if you want to go that far. And there's a lot of pain in that. I think we've all had moments where we felt we couldn't be authentic and real. We have seek people that we can be authentic and real with. We tend to appreciate when other people are authentic and real. But we do that because we've had so much time of non-authentic and, um, yeah, very superficial relationships. Whether it's family or partners or work associates, it doesn't matter. At some point we say there's something else here, excuse me. And what I found is if I can cultivate that sense of self, recultivate that sense of self, then I attract other people that are on a similar path as well. So I'm very blessed in my work. Most of the people I work with are either there or very close to there already. And what I do in my sessions, I quite often verbalize that whatever they're experiencing is totally true and totally perfect. That if they need to cry for an hour, great. If they need to sit in silence for an hour, great. If they need to get angry, great. All of it is real. All of it exists. All of it is part of what you're experiencing and to not honor what we're actually feeling is an abandonment of self. And if you think about that, that's to me, that's incredibly sad. And again, that's just my feelings. Um, any one of these can be, like you mentioned, the one for your mother was for you. This one to me is really tough because I've had jobs where I didn't feel they were in alignment with who I am. I've had relationships that didn't feel right, but... You know, sometimes I would just kind of stay in them because something was—I was getting something out of it—and and the reverse is true. People have stayed in relationships with, with me. It's not like it's just a one-way thing. Um, but the point is, part of our growth is to reconnect with the true self and to risk, because it can be risky, being completely authentic and real and vulnerable. With others, and that's what creates the emotional connection. So you're healing one wound by working on another. They're really connected. You know that we can be authentic and vulnerable with other people. People appreciate that. Uh, I know it took me a while to get there. So I'll just give you a quick example. When I first started doing energy healing work after massage therapy, physical work, etc., um, and then various day jobs prior to that that I typically would get fired from because <laughs> they weren't in alignment. Of course, how could I expect otherwise? Um, so I still remember the person's name, um, but almost with the moment she laid down on the table, it's when I was doing more, you know, office work in office work. She just began uh, crying and just cried almost the whole hour. And I came from that version of reality that says crying is bad that, you know, it can be uh, You know, that's just, you know, got to suck it up. Don't show those emotions. But Spirit kept practically screaming in my ear, let her cry. And I'm like, but I have to do something. I have to. No. (laughs) So I had this little fight in my own mind and heart about what to do there. And then when she got up from the table, she looked 40 pounds younger, uh, 40 pounds lighter, 10, 20 years younger It was amazing to see just the being authentic with what she was actually feeling that raw, deep sadness, of whatever she was dealing with at the time really brought her to a whole nother level. And I saw firsthand what I'd only read about and started to believe. And now it's to the point where I completely embrace it. I don't even for a second say don't cry or what's that about people don't need that. That doesn't help. I hold the space of unconditional love total acceptance of whatever is true for them and then we go deeper and deeper and we get to those raw root level wounds and then we can do the really deep healing work and that can manifest in pain relief in freedom like we said earlier symptom relief uh, whether it's physical or emotional Um, you know so much can happen when we get to those levels so there is a method to the madness as shakespeare did say um it just took me a while to figure that out you know to to really believe it in in truth and so my goal is to be as authentic and true with whatever is true for me unfortunately my wife is completely accepting of that which is beautiful um and i do my best to be that way for her as well and from there we can really grow and that's again partly why we're here so you know in conclusion there's these four major abandonments now of course Whatever is unhealed when we're younger tends to continue in our life. So if people leave us, for example, someone breaks up with you. Well, sure, it hurts. But how much of that pain is actually some of these original wounds being triggered? Right? That sense of, oh, no, now I'm not safe in the world. Right, We don't think about it in that moment because we have all this investment in that person. That's just one example. I'm sure there's many. But you can see how me being present to that someone's pain can allow the intuition to show me what's true. And then we can do again, like we said, the, the deeper work to really get to those places that most people want to get to, which is, you know, a place of freedom, emotional freedom, physical freedom, energetic freedom, and a really place of living from a place of uh, living from unconditional love and exuding that whenever possible.
0: Listening to you and um, everything that you speak of, it um, it kind of comes to memory. um, A message from that I heard, I think one of uh, Vedanta's uh, talks about enlightenment, that the true enlightened humans on earth are the ones that are helping others to uh, to suffer less or to Mm. recognize where the suffering is coming from. So, because there are different kinds of enlightened people. Some of the ones that recognize and realize um, this is a, as let's say, um, relative reality, a dream, and then they <laughs> just kind of take, you know, they take everything lightly and they just laugh at everything and they do nothing. And then <laughs> the other ones that are just kind of, Choose to do some of the work of helping others, and then half of the time, the other time of or part of the life that they live, it's just an enjoyment. And then there are those committed to help others, like constantly. And That's what I see you in that category. Not trying to put you labels, give you labels, but <laughs> it kind of, that's what comes to me, like listening to you. It's amazing. Mm, thank uh, so thank you. Thank you, Dave, um, for being you, for being open to life and for being here in this shared reality, in this dream reality, <laughs> helping us to wake up and see clearly. We're almost at the end, and I do have a question for you about, so when you speak of reconnecting back from that sense, the perceived sense, feeling of disconnection, and then going back to the true self, embodying that, what happens to the ego does it disappear? Does it, um, does it transform into the the true self? Um, I don't believe in two. To me, everything's one. But mm-hmm. in that conversation, in that concept, within the concept of true self and ego, what happens to the ego?
2: Well, I can say in my experience, the egoic voice is quieted. I don't know if it ever goes away. And again, I don't claim to be enlightened to be able to to answer that question of what actually happens once in that place. But what I do know is that by doing the work that I do and have been doing and teaching, um, I'm less likely, not impossible, but I'm gonna say less likely to come from an egoic place of, hey, look at me, aren't I wonderful? I have all the answers, um, slash need to look a certain way need to present you know need to post 12 times a day on social media need to send my email or something every week i mean sometimes 2 or 3 months go by and no one hears from me right so i do it when i'm called to do it um, not from that egoic place or that fear place that says if i don't do it then what's going to happen so i think i look at it like a a volume knob on a radio it just reduces the volume of the ego But again, I don't think it disappears completely. Um, If it does, great. But I'm not focusing on that personally. Um, (laughs) I think if we focus on it, sometimes we push away what we're looking for. So if it happens, great. If not, that's great too. Uh, Mm. That's okay.
0: (laughs) Okay. Yeah, right. Uh, That's a very fun way, kind of a free way of seeing it. I do see the ego as a baby. As a part of, of me that needs guidance. Yeah, it's like a baby that needs guidance, that will get confused at times and will try to do things that it will hurt itself or mm-hmm. others. So right. I do see it that way. And that has, has helped. Uh, yeah, it, it doesn't go away, right? Um, mm. That's for sure. And then there's a sense of trust. It seems like that parts of the learned parts of me, the conditioned body, mind, they trust the, the true self, as you call it. Which I call source or divine energy. And that makes that dance much more graceful, per se.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but do, yeah, it never
0: goes away, right, Dave? That resonates true, what you said. It's always. Uh, I, love, here. I
2: love when you call it the dance because it, it it's, I don't know, there's just a nice feel if we look at it like a dance versus like an SAT that we have
1: to
0: <laughs> <for>. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> yes yeah it feels like that it's the that movement it's always moving so yeah and we want to make that dance gracefully but uh, without controlling right trying too hard
2: um one of my teachers someone i truly truly admire i went to one of her dance workshops a little while ago and she said something that i still think of to this day and she says instead of dancing let yourself be danced Mm, and yes. i took it on in that moment and i remember yes. doing movements that i didn't think i could do <laughs> you know and and it just felt great so it's you know i it's if i can remember that and bring that reality into my day-to-day life i think i think we're doing okay
0: <laughs> yeah Ah yes, uh, that's grace itself. Um, if we can call it that, I think that's what a how I define beauty. How I see mm-hmm. whatever that means, the concept of beauty is yeah. like a, like a flower. It's just so beautiful, and it's mm-hmm. not really trying to be beautiful. It's, right. It just <laughs> is. Right. It's just be mm-hmm. itself. So I guess I love that, what you said, about what she said, uh, letting yourself be danced, right? Mm-hmm. So once we do that, then whatever we call beauty, like the beauty I see in the flower, that unfolds. That can mm-hmm. be seen, felt. Yeah. That's oh. not seen, but it can be felt. Like now, this conversation, listening to you, I sense a lot of beauty. There's, mm. It's just this dance of of. Beauty—it's mm. the the transcendent here. It's uh, it's the most beautiful thing. Uh, I mean, I keep saying that word because that's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Beauty. Sure. So thank you so much, Dave, mm-hmm. for being beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, I have goosebumps. <laughs> that's how powerful it is. These things huh? when we feel that that source, that yeah, the energy of that. If there is one message you wish everyone who listens to this episode to take with them, to consider, to think about it, to reflect, (laughs) what would that be?
2: Hmm. I think I would just reiterate what was said earlier about the bigger picture awareness of going from connectedness to individuation, back to connectedness, that, you know, a lot of teachers say things like if you know the why you can you can withstand any how and there's so much to be answered by that very brief sentence that b- very brief concept for me anyway it allows me to better accept and understand all the things that I may have In the past or even in this moment or at this moment specifically but you know today later on or whatever if something just doesn't feel right if something just sucks right there's a lot of things that are pretty awful on the planet right now but if I can step back from that and see it from the bigger perspective it won't bring me down so much right I mean it's okay to be brought down as long as we understand that's our feelings about what's happening and that's okay but we don't want to stay in that place like wallowing in that place is not going to be helpful. So one of the things I've seen really helpful is if I can understand the why and, um, and to me that, that answers that question. If we can really keep that in mind, so to speak, or in heart, I think it can really bring a lot more peace to our day to day experience.
0: It really, really does, yeah, for me, uh, most definitely. Because that's, uh, is that commitment, isn't it? And I wonder why some of us make this commitment to to stay awake, per se, to um, to look mm. deeper into reality, of the nature of reality, and some don't. They just go, you know, through the motions and they suffer. <laughs> and they, I mean, it's interesting to see, but then, you know, I can't help it but just, try to help. Mm-hmm, sure. So thank you for your presence. Thank you for the beauty in you that you express within the words that you speak, the sound even of the words and the work you do and everything else in between. Mm. But before we say goodbye for today, where is the best place to find more information about you?
2: and your uh, work? My website, which is just my name, um, Dave Markowitz, T A V E M A R kowitz.com, com. and um, there's lots of free material, blogs, videos, etc um, there's also upcoming courses um, about these four abandonments healing the original wound and I'm working on a book that is going to explain not just these wounds but how to heal from these things more specifically and of course we'll be doing that in the workshops and courses as well So if that resonates, um, I'm happy to, you know, I got to believe that at least one person listening to this needs that information or that workshop or that book, because that's just been my experience. When source knows someone is serious about growing in a particular way and knows where to get that information. Yeah. Well, look at that. I got an email from Valeria who I hadn't heard from in four or five uh, years.
0: Yes, right. <laughs> right? And True. almost
2: how dare me even ask if I need to do this or not because I know <laughs> the answer. Right? Yes. But I did check in anyway. And if that one person or more, of course, is great too, mm. needed to hear this information, then what a blessing to be able to present that. And I hope they you know, heed the call if they're called to it.
0: Thank you again, Dave. Thank you. I'll have the link, your website link on, on this podcast profile in a clickable way, so it's easier that way. Uh, so we'll talk soon. Take good care of your beautiful self.
2: Bye for you now. You too. Thanks so much. Bye for now.
1: Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Dave Markowitz and his work, please visit DaveMarkowitz.com.